Story 3 of Stories Weird and Wonderful. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Graham Scott, Cheltenham, England. Stories Weird and Wonderful by J. E. Muddock. Story 3 the blue star the following narrative is so strange and startling that possibly some of those who read it may feel a certain reserve about receiving as facts all the incidents as i have given them yet i solemnly asseverate that the whole story is true although i make no attempt to offer an explanation of the weird and awful phenomena that presented themselves to me having a strong objection to anything like vagueness i neither conceal names nor places and though for some time it was my misfortune to rest under a terrible suspicion i shall make no attempt to disguise my identity my name therefore is francis preston de la motte i am a member of the de la mottes of hampshire my family are descendants of a very old huguenot family many of whom fell victims to the ruthless barbarity of the tyrant and bigot Francis I. Later still, when the royal butcher, the Duke of Guise, formed a triumvirate with St. André and the constable Montmorency to root out what he was pleased to term the heresy of the Huguenots, my direct ancestors, who had their estates in the Garonne, were amongst those who suffered most, and a broken and disheartened remnant fled to England, and ultimately established themselves in hampshire my family since they rooted themselves in alien but hospitable soil have been distinguished in literature arts and sciences i was myself born in the academical town of winchester where my father owned a small estate and was well known for his liberality sound sense and broad views he died universally respected leaving me a small patrimony and, as I believe, a fair share of his own good common sense. I may be pardoned for referring to these strictly personal matters, but what I wish to convey is that I am neither a visionary, a dreamer, nor a monomaniac. At least, I have never been accused of being the one or the other. That I have taken an interest and, as I venture to hope, an intelligent interest in many of the deeper mysteries of science, I will not attempt to deny. And those things which fall into the category of psychological phenomena have always possessed a fascination for me. For many years before my father's death, I had expressed a strong desire to travel, but he opposed this saying that it was his earnest wish that my youth should be passed in the classical atmosphere of one of our great public schools. It thus came about that up to the time when I reached man's estate, my life was a studious one. But my father's death released me, while the small fortune he was enabled to leave me gave me the chance of at last gratifying my craving to see the world. I made a tour through India, and had an opportunity of studying some of the occult mysteries of the higher sects of Brahmins, especially those relating to their power to hold converse with the dead, and of their no less wonderful power of themselves being able to simulate death for long periods at a time, 
during which they are enabled to see the spirits of the real dead. From India I passed to Russia, where I spent two years, and, having fair lingual powers, I acquired a good knowledge of the language, so far mastering its difficulties as to be able to read some of the most abstruse authors in the original. I had been on the move for some months when, towards the close of a terribly snowy day, I found myself in the little town of Sergievsky, about fifty miles to the north of Moscow, whither I was journeying. I had travelled east from St. Petersburg as far as Vologda. Thence I had turned my face south. My going to Sergievsky was a mere accident. I had been travelling for many hours in a mouldy, damp drosky, and was half frozen. My driver said that it would be dangerous to continue our journey on to Moscow during the darkness, for already there were signs of an increase in the snowstorm, and the road would be impassable. I therefore bade him make for the nearest traktir, not at all sorry at the prospects of warmth and a good dinner. As the vehicle drew up at the door of the unpretentious inn, I hurried out as fast as the stiffened state of my limbs would allow me. Passing up a long passage, I entered a low-pitched room, the ceiling of which was crossed with massive smoke-blackened beams from which depended the winter stock of wild boar hams. As soon as I had been relieved of my heavy furs, I ordered a dish of lemon tea by way of a preliminary, and then seated myself by the huge stove, and proceeded to take stock of the company present. There was a heavily bearded, black-visaged Jew who puffed huge volumes of smoke from a long wooden pipe, a fierce-looking Cossack soldier, a one-eyed peddler, and a young man who, I ascertained, was a student at the College of Moscow, but had come to this town to visit an aunt, who was ill, and from whom he had expectations. The Jew and the Cossack gave me a surly greeting as I sat down. The one-eyed peddler did not speak, though he gazed at me with his one eye suspiciously. But the young student put forth his hand, greeting me cheerily, and saying in fairly good English, I think I am not in a mistake when I go to suppose that you from England come? With a bow and a smile I answered him in Russian, telling him that his supposition was correct, but that I had for some time been travelling, and recently had made a most extensive tour through India. He at once manifested great interest in me, complimenting me on the way I spoke his language, and begging that I would relate my impressions of India, for it was a country which he had an unconquerable longing to see. For, he added, it is a land of mystery, a land where one may shake the hand and hold converse with those who have actually been with the dead in their home beyond the grave. I looked at him in surprise as he made this strange remark, and from that moment, I fell under the spell of this being. Here is a word picture of his general appearance. He was a small, delicately built man, with hands and feet that would have done credit to a woman. His features were faultless, with an expression of dreaminess, though occasionally this gave way to a more spirituel expression, but the dreaminess somehow seemed more natural to him. His skin was of a pure olive tint that flushed with a hectic red under the influence of excitement. The hue of his hair was raven black, and his eyes, wherein all the mystery lay, were like glittering jewels, 
and yet their light and fire flashed forth no warmth they were cold cold as steel and in some indescribable way they gave you the impression that they were capable of reading your thoughts of seeing the very secrets of your inner heart his face altogether was a weird face such a one as Frizzelli or Wirtz would have loved to depict it was capable of exerting a strange mesmeric influence and i felt that the moment i gazed upon it i am free to confess that i was influenced as i had never been influenced before and i found myself studying him i soon gathered that he belonged to a type of man differently organized to the generality of human beings he was in fact a man i had long wished to meet for he was one of a limited though daring class who scoffing at the stereotyped dogmas of the schools gave themselves up to speculative metaphysics and striking into original paths of thought endeavour to penetrate some of the mysteries of the forbidden doctrines of psychomancy before half an hour had passed we were chatting freely as if we had been old acquaintances he had been quick to gather that i took an interest in many of the subjects that fascinated him and though he was a dreamer an enthusiast which i was not there was something in common between us a something that drew us together so that we were enabled to throw off all reserve and at once give free expression to our thoughts as he had not dined i begged him to do me the honour of joining me in the dinner i had ordered and which the landlord at that moment announced as being ready he bowed gracefully saying it would give him great pleasure to do so although he was a wretched eater we exchanged cards and i learned that his name was ivan vamberet and during dinner he informed me that he had for a long time been studying medicine but had devoted much of his spare time to the investigation of spiritualism animal magnetism electrobiology and the truly remarkable phenomena that are exhibited by hypnotic subjects and do you know my friend he exclaimed in a half serious half joking tone in the course of my studies in anatomy i have frequently endeavoured to find the soul and of course you haven't succeeded in your quest not exactly as the common herd would understand it he answered with a deep seriousness now for our wretched bodies being cold in death can offer us nothing but a complicated network of nerves sinews and muscles that quickly resolve themselves into revolting putridity no we must look elsewhere for the soul we must train our eyes to pierce that mystic veil which separates the known from the unknown and have you succeeded in doing that i ventured to inquire he paused for some moments before he answered and during the pause his keen glittering eyes were fixed upon me then slowly he answered i have and i have seen things such as few mortal men are permitted to see and live i could not suppress a slight shudder for his tone was so sepulchral his manner so strange he seemed like one who was verily speaking from the world of shadows he quickly recovered himself however and expressed great delight when i told him i took an interest in the occult wonders of the spirit world 
it is true i had never gone as deeply into the matter as he had done but still the subject had a fascination for me and i said he would find me a diligent student if he had aught to teach dinner ended we smoked a cigar and then as the hour was getting late he bade me good-night but gave me a pressing invitation to visit him at his lodgings on the morrow i don't know how it was but all night long his strange face with its glittering eyes was before me so that notwithstanding i was worn out with fatigue i could not sleep i was troubled in an unaccountable manner troubled as i had never been before and yet i could not for the life of me have told what i was troubled about but i know now alas that it was the coming of the shadow which since then has never left me there was closing about me then though i knew it not at the time the gloaming of life's night even before the noon of my existence had been reached what i mean by that is that with that night there passed from me all my youth and henceforth i was to be as one who had grown old before his time such a nameless fear a nervous disquietude took hold of me that in the solitude of my chamber i vowed to leave the town with the first dawn of day but i might just as well have tried to fly that man had fascinated me had thrown a spell about me and so i was at his chambers at the appointed hour why did i go i cannot tell call it weakness if you like but a power that has no name drew me there as his friends were well off and his allowance was liberal he was enabled to study his tastes in every way i found him occupying luxurious apartments and as by his aunt's request he was going to make a stay of some months in the town he had surrounded himself with a choice collection of books and his library contained rare works on transmigration ethics hypnotism magnetism and so on the walls of his sitting-room were hung with strange drawings of ghostly subjects many of them he assured me had been done by spirits from the unseen world at one end of this apartment was a heavy black velvet curtain which i subsequently learned screened a small laboratory for as he informed me he took a great interest in chemical experiments ivan vambaray received me with great cordiality when i entered he was attired in a long fur robe and wore a smoking cap trimmed with sable which served to give his pale face a ghastly appearance without preliminary he commenced at once to converse upon his favourite topics and though i shuddered at his daring flights into the region of speculation i experienced a sense of that fascinating pleasure one feels on witnessing the perilous and dangerous feats of a trapezist when i arrived in the town it was my intention to continue my journey the following day but under the influence of this remarkable man i found my stay stretching into months and still i could not go my intimacy with ivan ripened into a warm and close friendship and he told me much of his past history so absorbed did we become in the investigation of psychological phenomena that he neglected his studies 
while I was all forgetful that I had friends and ties in other parts of the world. It did not take me long to discover that Ivan was a peculiarly excitable man. He seemed to be merely a bunch of nerves that were at times affected by the shutting of a door, a puff of wind, or the passing of a vehicle, even the falling of a pin. Some people might have called him unpractical and theorist. Perhaps he was a little of both, but so assuredly he was an earnest and an honest man who sought for truth in those dark places where most men fear to tread. He had a habit of saying that nature was jealous of her secrets and her mysteries, and would only yield them to him who followed her into the dark byways where the common herd never ventured. His enthusiastic researches, however, I saw with alarm, were telling upon his health, and day by day he seemed to grow weaker, so that I begged him to desist and travel for a short while, but he was obstinate and refused. We had for a considerable time been engaged in an experiment that must be nameless, but it was as daring as it was awful and he insisted in carrying this experiment to a successful issue or proving beyond the possibility of doubt that it was useless. One night, or rather early morning, for it was past midnight, we sat together in his room. It was bitterly cold without, and the wind wailed like a thing in pain. A large log smouldered on the hearthstone and a shaded lamp threw a soft and mellow light over the floor, but left the upper part of the room in semi-darkness. For some time we had been sitting silently, while the only external sounds that came to us were that weird wailing of the wind and the slow and measured ticking of a clock. I had noticed with alarm the unusual ghastliness of my friend's face. It was almost as if his soul had gone out of him, and an animated corpse sat in his place. There was a lividness about the face that was appalling, while his eyes were so lustrous and metallic in appearance as to seem unnatural. Unable longer to control myself, I exclaimed, Ivan, you are ill. Hush, he hissed, and his voice was like one who spoke from the tomb. Hush, he repeated. I feel that we have not worked for nothing. See, see, there, look! he almost screamed as he pointed one of his long white fingers towards the door. I turned my eyes and saw the door slowly, slowly, slowly open. Not a sound came from it, although it was a massive door. Gradually it turned upon its hinges until it revealed the abysmal blackness of the great hall, and out of that blackness came a ghostly sigh. I was spellbound, fascinated, and dare not turn my eyes away. I knew, however, that Ivan was on his knees by my side, grasping my wrist with a grip of steel, and bringing his cold lips to my ear, he whispered, Speak not, move not lest you break the spell. But I could not have spoken, even had I been inclined. My tongue seemed glued to the roof of my mouth. Nor do I think I could have moved. 
for a spell was on me then from out the darkness i saw a star a pale blue star evolved it floated into the room and the door closed as slowly silently and ghostly as it had opened i was conscious then that my friend had fallen forward on his face and with a suppressed cry i broke the awful spell that had bound me and stooping down raised him up he had not swooned as i thought and he greeted me with a sad smile it is nothing he said faintly as i helped him to his chair i have been a little excited and am weak but shall be better directly give me a petit verre that will revive me i poured out a small glass of brandy and he drank it then i took some myself for my nerves were unstrung and though i was deadly cold perspiration was streaming down my face and neck under the influence of the liquor ivan's strength returned and the hectic flush lessened the ghastly appearance of his ashen face you saw it he asked at last in hoarse tones yes tell me what you saw he demanded quickly and with nervous agitation i saw the door open and i saw a blue star float in and what did you hear a sigh an audible sigh i answered my doubts end my scepticism is removed he exclaimed as he rubbed his hands excitedly together i was puzzled to altogether understand his meaning and i suppose i expressed this in my face for he said i am talking riddles to you perhaps but listen and i'll explain i have told you many things about myself but there is one thing i have not told you years ago i loved and she whom i loved was pure as the unsullied snow and as beautiful as the madonnas of some of the old painters ah how i loved her and how she loved me but soon a hideous disease fastened upon her and when she lay dying i cursed all things she bade me seek consolation in prayer but i laughed the idea to scorn then with unspeakable gentleness she chided me and said we should meet in a better world but i still scoffed turning her dying eyes upon me she said with an angelic smile you are wrong ivan and i will return to you to prove you so they were her last words and while they still trembled on her lips she died in these few brief sentences he at once gave me the key to much that had been obscure that is obscure to me and i now understood the strong incentive he had for trying to divine the hidden mysteries of the spirit world as he was now thoroughly exhausted i persuaded him to retire and this he consented to do after exacting a promise from me that i would join him the following night in endeavouring to get some further manifestations in accordance with this promise i found myself with him once again but i was struck and painfully so by his altered appearance the chalky whiteness of his face was emphasised by heavy black shadows under the eyes 
he was feeble too so that he tottered when he walked i urged upon him the desirability of having medical advice but he flouted the very idea he said that he was jaded with working in his laboratory all day but it was nothing more serious than that and he added that he had a presentiment something remarkable would happen before the night had grown old for an hour or so we sat and talked our subjects of conversation being metaphysical and recondite midnight sounded from the old belfry tower and the brazen dong of the bell came like a shudder through the air as the last stroke died away in a quivering groan ivan rose and said in a low voice and with an air of mystery the time has come on the table he placed a silver dish half filled with spirits of wine and applying a match there instantly shot up a pale blue lambent flame he had previously pulled a screen before the fire though very little glow came from the smouldering ashes he now turned down the lamp so that the darkness was only relieved by the burning spirits i trembled with suppressed excitement but i remained silent watching with strained eyes every movement of my friend i saw him take from his pocket a small box and slowly and deliberately sprinkle some powder from the box onto the chafing dish and instantly there arose a dense aromatic luminous vapour that spread itself throughout the room producing on me if not on ivan a delicious sense of dreamy languor suddenly he seized my hand excitedly and in a hoarse whisper cried look there he pointed to the velvet curtains which screened his laboratory towards them i now turned my eyes and they were riveted there with fascination if not with horror by what they beheld standing out distinctly against the darkness of the velvet was a mass of waving nebulous light that gradually defined itself as a blue star then this star expanded and grew until slowly it assumed a human shape the shape and features of a young woman of transcendental beauty but with a look of ineffable sorrow on her young face alas why should it have been sorrow instead of joy i felt ivan's grasp tighten on my arm and in strange hollow tones he spoke in my ear swear to me by all you hold sacred that if i die to-night you will continue the experiments and in the interests of science you will endeavour to place yourself en rapport with my disembodied spirit i turned and looked at him and shrank away with horror at the ghastliness of his face filled with terror i half rose intending to summon assistance but he forced me back into my seat again and said in the same hollow voice a voice that had no timbre no resonance in it it was a voice not of life but death as you love me as you have an immortal soul do not move but swear that you will do what i request 
wishing to pacify and calm him i promised that i would but swear it on your soul he said i swear it on my soul i answered with a shiver remember he added with awful solemnity the witness to your oath is a spirit from the other world again i shuddered and at that moment i saw the spirit figure slowly raise her white arm and point upward then she advanced to ivan and placed her hand on his shoulder and at that moment there came to me intuitively the knowledge of why the look of ineffable sadness shrouded that face of unearthly beauty a spell was upon me so that i could neither cry out nor move beyond turning slightly to look at ivan at the touch of the spirit he seemed to be suddenly seized with violent convulsions the sickly greenish hue of his face deepened he turned his glowing eyes upon me then their light suddenly went out and they were dull grey expressionless orbs he gave a gasp his head sank on his breast he slid to the floor and was dead at that instant the spirit figure lost its outline and identity with the human form became a mass of nebulous light again that slowly vanished as it did so a voice solemn and awful sounded through the room and said remember your oath in a few minutes the spell of a strange fascination that had bound me and made me dumb was broken and i uttered a cry of anguish a cry that was wrung from me by almost more than mortal suffering in my excitement i pulled the bell cord violently and with a crash and a clang alarmed the household but nothing could be done ivan vambéry was too surely dead the event caused immense excitement in the town and i was accused of having been instrumental in bringing about his death and notwithstanding that a post-mortem examination revealed that he had died from excitement acting on a weak heart i was thrown into prison for a suspect in russia is shown no mercy by the iniquitous law for a whole year i languished and when i asked why i was detained i was told that it was because evidence might yet be forthcoming that i had murdered my friend at the end of the year however i was set at liberty and lost no time in leaving the wretched country i travelled all over the continent scarcely staying two days in one place but my dear ivan's dying look and the terrible warning voice never left me neither travel nor excitement could make me forget them i grew morbid melancholy and ill my doctors prescribed change of air and scene but i laughed at them for they were utterly ignorant of the disease from which i suffered many a time i resolved to make those tests that ivan and i had been in the habit of making when we wanted spiritual manifestations but each time my courage failed me and still the voice sighed in my ear remember your vow i had now settled down in london and unable longer to endure the fearful state of mind i determined at all hazards to try and call up the spirit of the dead ivan it was a terribly stormy night when i prepared to put my resolution into practice the wind fairly shrieked 
and the rain dashed violently against my window i drew my chair to the table and put the lamp out the fire in the grate had burnt to a dull red the clock on my chimney-piece marked eleven for an hour i sat gradually bringing myself into the proper state to receive spiritual manifestations the glow of the fire had faded an inky darkness filled the room the silence was death-like save that i heard my heart beat i felt ill and yet the old horrible fascination kept me at the table i concentrated my thoughts on ivan i desired intensely that his spirit should visit me if it were possible i silently called him as it were from the depths of my being and the more i longed to have my desire gratified the weaker i grew at last i would have risen and fled but could not i was bound there chained by invisible chains that would not break and set me free half after midnight chimed by the clock then i became conscious of a presence it presented no shape to the eye but i knew i was not alone almost involuntarily my lips unclosed and like a mechanical figure i whispered ivan vambere are you here a cold wind swept across my face and i interpreted that as a sign in the affirmative then a chill foreboding seized upon me a foreboding of what i know not i was the only living thing in the room and the dead could not harm me why then did i fear again i answer i know not but i experienced that unutterable terror which men experience when they know that between them and sheol there is as it were but a curtain of air gradually as i peered into the darkness there became visible to my aching eyes a small pale blue light and as i watched it its outer edges clearly defined themselves into the five radii of a star and in the centre of that star i saw the livid face and glittering eyes of ivan vambere i have a recollection that at the same moment the timepiece proclaimed the hour of one not with the usual melodious tinkle but with a stroke that was like the clanging of the huge clapper of an iron bell then the star faded and a blank occurred when i awoke from my sleep or swoon whichever it was the sunlight was streaming in through my window for the storm had passed i felt ill and i knew by a strange intuition that for me peace had fled for ever so the years have rolled on but since that terrible night i have been haunted by the appearance of that star blue and quivering and in its centre the awful face of the dead ivan is immovably fixed i have travelled from city to city from country to country but cannot escape my fate in the crowded ballroom or the busy street in the sanctuary of the church or the solitude of my chamber that blue star framing the ghastly face gleams upon me and so it will ever gleam until the corruptible and incorruptible are separated 
and psyche freed from her temple shall soar to the mystic region that is wisely veiled from the eyes of all save the most daring and peculiarly constituted men end of story three